Hi there, this is Brian Barnett with The Last Symptom. When I started The Last Symptom, I never in a million years imagined it would grow as it has. In these early shows especially, audio quality was often iffy, and there were references to services or online groups that are outdated and no longer in use. Great improvements have been made. Where should you go for all of the most up-to-date resources that I offer? TheLastSymptom.com is my permanent website full of free resources where everything is always up to date and that I encourage you to refer back to often. There are also a few modest paid resources at TheLastSymptom.com. These support my efforts and have allowed The Last Symptom to exist for as long as it has. These include one-on-one phone conversations with me one-on-one Zoom video calls with me, and perhaps most importantly, the Last Symptom Fundamentals course, which is a two-week, intensive, pre-recorded online video course that is far superior to things like DBT. The Last Symptom has a flourishing YouTube and Rumble channel where I publish regular orange slices, which are condensed video insights of five or ten minutes in length. If you're just now discovering the last symptom, welcome. I hope you will find every insight and resource you need here for authentic and permanent recovery from emotional disorders such as borderline personality disorder. Now on to the show. Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental health nor emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he has gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as they individually and personally choose while accepting full responsibility for their own individual thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares And by listening to this program, you are acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Happy Thursday, everybody. This is Brian Barnett, the host and creator of this podcast, The Last Symptom. Because the subject of today's podcast is so information-rich, there's going to be two parts to it. That's right. Today is a twofer. Two for one. I'm recording both episodes today and uploading both episodes today. What topic could possibly merit such attention? Why, what else? The topic of whether borderline personality disorder is quote-unquote genetic. See, if we don't get this out of the way, nothing else will matter. As long as you believe in the possibility that borderline personality disorder might have been genetically passed along to you, nothing else we talk about here really matters much. It's just going to be this cloud hanging over top of you getting in the way of your enthusiasm and effort. So let's blow it out of the water so we can move on. When somebody starts spouting off scientific studies and the listener begins imagining beakers, microscopes, and folks dressed in white lab coats and laboratories, it can be hard to reason against the bedazzling effect of such things. Personally, I love science. I love reading and talking about science. Anybody who knows me well knows that this is true. 
But I often say, and it's true, if you want to see somebody shut off their brain, you just attribute any point you're making to science. It's uncanny. You just say there's a scientific study that shows such and such, and then you uh, show off a graph or two, and just watch people fall into line. You see, if science says it is so, it must be so. But here's the problem. When we discuss science, what we're generally talking about is not science at all, but rather scientists. There's a term for this. Do you know what it is? Metonymy. Metonymy is a sneaky type of figurative language where one elevated object or concept is used in place of someone or something in order to lend greater credence to the argument. And it has the effect of concealing or blurring the true nature of the information source that's being spoken about. Here are some examples of metonymy. The White House issued a statement. The White House is a building. It can't issue statements. Some specific person within the White House had to author that statement. Here's another one. The book claims. It's actually the author who's making the claim. Books are inanimate objects, and as such, they can't claim anything. Here's another one. Science made a new discovery this week. Well, scientists discovered something new, not science. Even so, we're not talking about all scientists here. We're talking about some very specific scientists. For not all scientists will be in agreement with the interpretation of the results, no matter what the discovery is. If you don't believe me, look up the current disagreements going on by experts about whether coconuts are good for you or whether women should get annual mammograms, or whether milk's good for you, or whether terraforming Mars is a good idea or a bad idea. Honestly, just take your pick about anything, really. Now, many people won't place any value whatsoever on, or really believe anything I've just said. They won't see any relevance in it at all. And if you're one of them, you can stop listening, because I can't help you, and you were never my intended audience anyway. For everybody else, the way scientific studies are created and carried out matters. The motivation for the scientific study matters. The individuals who carry out the study matter. The results of scientific studies just are what they are. But somebody still had a hope or an expectation when creating the study, and somebody still has to interpret the results. Results that aren't reliable absent the information I just spelled out, the whys, hows, and whos. Everybody, even scientists, are prone to their personal filters. Now, people go into seizures at the mere mention of this possibility. But anybody who does not understand that this is true and appreciate the significance of it is a fool. You know, I think of this every time the scientists talk about how Mars was once covered in gushing rivers of water and huge oceans of water. Now, how have they come to this conclusion? They've come to the conclusion based on what the ground looks like there on Mars. In other words, they see a dry riverbed and they say, "What? Well, look at that. There used to be water on Mars. We know it for 100% certainty. But do they? 
have they actually taken a machine up there, landed it in the riverbed, dug down, and found traces of liquid water? No, they haven't done that. See, the scientists, they have a hope. <laughs> they want water. They want to find water on Mars. So it's not like they're going up to Mars with no expectations whatsoever and just taking in the evidence. No, that's not what they're doing. You know, if you look at some of the, the moons of other planets out in the solar system, they also have riverbeds. And they also have liquid gushing through them. But it's not liquid water. Those are things like rivers of liquid methane or nitrogen. So how do the scientists who are studying Mars know for a fact that the dry riverbeds they're looking at once had liquid water gushing through them? They don't. They don't. Nobody knows if those were formed you know, a billion years ago by liquid nitrogen. They don't know that. But they have a hope, and so they're interpreting the results of what they see through the filter of this, these hopes and expectations of what they want to find up there. You know, I go to a 24-hour science fiction movie marathon every year. I've been going for the past 23 years. And one thing that has always stood out to me is how everybody hee-haws and laughs at the ridiculousness of the blind, exaggerated adoration towards scientists and doctors reflected in the classic B-movies of yesteryear. And yet, what has changed? In real life, this same blind attitude still permeates society. When you read an article in National Geographic and the article asserts things based on a scientific study, you aren't reading the results of that study. No, you're reading the journalist's interpretation of the results of the, that study. Or perhaps a scientist's interpretation, spoon-fed to the journalist, who just printed whatever the scientist said. So that we know exactly who it is we're dealing with when we talk about people who claim borderline personality disorder is genetic and that their studies have proven this, let's examine the people who are behind these claims of genetic findings as they relate to borderline personality disorder. Let's examine their track record, who they are, what have their capabilities as a group revealed so far, and then at the end, I'll specifically discuss genetics and why it's a decoy duck in your efforts to recover from borderline personality disorder. So, this is going to be the first part, analyzing the people making these claims. And the second part will be me specifically talking about genetics. Number one, the experts routinely talk of borderline personality disorder as a mental illness. And they even describe it as such in their official literature and references. But borderline personality disorder is not a mental illness. It's an emotional disorder. So not mental, but emotional. Not illness, but disorder. Yes, I'm aware of what the psychological associations say. They're wrong. And frankly, their ineffectiveness and incompetence is one of the reasons you have need to be here at all, isn't it? Number two, borderline personality disorder does not have multiple possible causes contrary to the experts' assertions. There's only one authentic cause of borderline personality disorder. So there's only one reason 
why the experts speak of multiple possible causes rather than defining the one true cause. Think about it. In what circumstances have you ever spoken in generalities about a thing when pressed for an answer on any topic? You did so on occasions when you didn't understand the subject thoroughly enough, nor genuinely enough, to speak of it in absolute terms. This is also why the professional community keeps open the possibility of multiple causes. They don't want to back themselves into a corner on a topic they're ignorant about. If one of six possibilities you suggest ends up having some validity to it, you weren't ever technically wrong, were you? Genetics is the granddaddy of all underhanded strategies to conceal incompetence which we'll discuss here soon. Number three, the prime distorted core belief from which the entirety of borderline personality disorder sprouts is, my feelings are inherently irrelevant and shameful, devoid of inherent worth. And this quickly gives birth to a second primary distorted core belief. If my feelings are irrelevant and shameful, then I myself must also be inherently irrelevant and shameful, devoid of worth. Everything the person with borderline personality disorder observes, experiences, feels, and thinks must first pass through this filter. And this goes on to explain every single one of the disorder's symptoms. It's just like a pair of orange-tinted sunglasses. You know, these two distorted core beliefs, they affect every view the person with borderline personality disorder has of the world and of life. Given that the entire disorder is built on this one cause... Borderline personality disorder is entirely curable. All the symptoms are tied into that one root cause, a root cause that is correctable. Yet nothing the professional community popularly offers leads to this cure. They only offer soothing techniques, behavioral tricks, coping strategies. Dialectical behavior therapy, or DBT, is an example of this misdirection and lost effort. I'm not saying it has no value at all, only that it'll never cure you. The professional community as a group does not help their clients distinguish the symptoms of the disorder from the actual problem, its cause. And this is an outrageous failure on their part. As long as you're focused on coping strategies, you will never be rid of borderline personality disorder. Number four. Given that the entirety of borderline personality disorder is the result of a distorted, subconscious, learned, erroneous perspective, the idea that any pill can ever or will ever help borderline personality disorder is pure stupidity. Yet the professional community continues to prescribe medications for those suffering with the disorder. You might as well be taking pills to learn Swahili as to take pills to fix borderline personality disorder. Number five, parental or immediate caregiver neglect and abuse was involved in every person's development of borderline personality disorder when they were in a developmental stage of childhood. No, your parents aren't the exception. The fact that you're unable to see the neglect and abuse for what it is which involves denial and ignorance, is not the same as saying 
that your parents weren't guilty of it. Some will say, well, I went to live with my aunt when I was three, so my birth parents couldn't have been the cause. Ah, okay. Well, if your parents weren't there, then by definition, they neglected your emotional needs, didn't they? They emotionally neglected you with their physical absence. They couldn't provide for you what they weren't present to provide. Now, how big of a leap is it to connect that dot to the child's mind saying, if my feelings mattered, my parents would never have abandoned me? How about those who say that their parents were loving and always read them bedtime stories, yet here they are with borderline personality disorder? What do your parents' words, hugs, and bedtime stories have to do with whether or not they also invalidated your feelings consistently? Their hugs and kisses have nothing whatsoever to do with whether they consistently showed value for your feelings or not. If you have borderline personality disorder, it was the nature of your parents to invalidate your feelings in subtle, consistent ways. I don't ever need to meet your parents to know that this was true. So ultimately, it doesn't matter how many bedtime stories they read you or how often they said they loved you. Their attitude toward your feelings is the only thing that matters, not their words. Invalidating children's feelings is an example of emotional neglect, and emotional neglect of children is child abuse. How do the experts routinely handle this? Well, they routinely accept their patients' denials of parental neglect and abuse outright, denial which is rooted in the patient's total ignorance and lack of understanding, rather than the professional having the insight to explore and help their patients work through this denial until they're able to perceive the reality. Number six, so you have BPD and your siblings don't. They turned out just fine while you ended up with an emotional disorder. This is what you want me to believe, right? Now listen closely. I myself made it to age 35 before anybody, myself included, caught so much as a whiff that something was out of place with me. How is this possible? It's possible because emotional unhealth is easily hidden from others and hard to identify and recognize when we ourselves have always lived with it. Furthermore, this argument's built on the totally false assumption that you are a reliable judge of what constitutes good emotional health. Children don't grow up in environments of emotional unhealth and miraculously emerge emotionally healthy. Children get their emotional education directly from their parents. In other words, whether your siblings specifically have borderline personality disorder or not is irrelevant. You're wasting your time making such comparisons. The relevant point is that they received the same emotional education as you did from the same two emotional teachers. Therefore, their lives are built upon the same distorted emotional foundation that yours is. Their ability to blend into society does not change the reality of this in any way. The professional community has yet to arrive at this understanding. As far as they're concerned, as long as your emotional unhealth isn't too disruptive, you don't have any work to do. Number seven, the term trigger is a bullshit term, and it's a concept the professional community actively encourages and nurtures. 
it suggests that external things can ultimately be responsible for your thoughts and behaviors. But anybody with any capacity for reason whatsoever knows that, in reality, there is no such thing as triggers. There's only you triggering yourself. Nobody and nothing is responsible for your thoughts and behavior except for you. Emotionally healthy people do not, ever, view external things as being the cause of their behaviors. They instead recognize the concept of triggers as an attempt to deny responsibility and accountability. Rather than educating people on principles reflective of emotional health, the experts continue actively clinging to and promoting these profoundly emotionally unhealthy ideas. Number eight, the professional community routinely makes claims that something like 70% of people who are diagnosed with borderline personality disorder are women, thereby actively encouraging the notion that the disorder is a woman's disorder. These experts apparently lack the absolute basic intelligence required to understand that this statistic does not in any way suggest that more women than men actually have borderline personality disorder. At best, these statistics reflect only one thing, that more women go to therapists than their male counterparts do. You see, men can't be reflected in a statistic in which they refuse to participate. If you suddenly see more reports in the news of bear attacks, it doesn't mean that bears as a species have lost their minds and are out of control. No. The only thing it means is that the news is reporting on bear attacks more than usual. That's the only thing you know for sure. There could be a hundred reasons for this, one being that it's a slow news week. There ain't anything else interesting worth reporting on. Number nine. Contrary to what the experts teach and, and push, there is no such thing as having a little bit of borderline personality disorder. People are either emotionally healthy or they're emotionally unhealthy. In reality, there is no spectrum. One can't sort of have distorted, unhealthy, subconscious foundation beliefs. You either do or you don't. One's ability to blend into most social situations does not change this reality. Therefore, spectrum is bullshit. It measures outward manifestations of emotional disorder, not the reality of what's going on inside a person, the force and its origin. Anybody who genuinely wishes to be cured will have to give up the denial that emotional unhealth is emotional unhealth, period. In the real world, there is no spectrum. This is an imaginary bullshit notion invented by bullshit experts. Everybody with borderline personality disorder has borderline personality disorder equally. And I'm going to tell you why. Number 10. Because borderline personality disorder is not defined by its symptoms, but by its cause. Let's say it one more time. The thing that defines borderline personality disorder is not its symptoms, but rather its cause. Its cause. Nobody should be interested in merely controlling or studying outward manifestations of symptoms as the professional community revels in doing. The only thing that matters, the only thing that anybody should be interested in is identifying, understanding, and eliminating 
the calls, which is conveniently the same calls for everybody. So now I have in profound detail demonstrated a thorough, comprehensive understanding of what borderline personality disorder is, while at the same time detailing some of the most glaring failures and inadequacies of the professional community. That's my cat. My cat is bothering me right now. We looked at the people making these claims of genetics as it relates to borderline personality disorder, and we examined their track record. Now we're going to discuss genetics itself and why it is not responsible for your borderline personality disorder. First of all, it's important to understand that borderline personality disorder is indeed inherited. Yes, you did hear me correctly. Borderline personality disorder is inherited. In fact, it's inherited in every case. However, borderline personality disorder is not genetic. Inherited and genetic are not synonymous terms. You see, you inherit a lot of learned things from your parents. Can you think of a big one? I'll give it to you. Your culture. Culture is a learned thing that we inherit. You inherit certain food preferences, music preferences, ideals, and so forth. All of these are examples of things you inherit from your family. Emotional disorders are similarly, similar, 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 similarly, I have a hard time with that word. They are similarly, they are similarly, <laughs> they are likewise passed along in the way cultural aspects of one's life are passed along. Are Mexicans genetically predisposed to liking cilantro? No. And the suggestion is just absolutely absurd. And yet the idea that borderline personality disorder is subject to the same lazy explanation is no less absurd. When you read studies about how scientists have discovered borderline personality disorder genes or how they've discovered that certain glands are larger in folks with borderline personality disorder, or their brains are altered. Do you fully appreciate the assumptions a belief in these studies requires? To begin with, you must suspend disbelief long enough to buy into the notion that these experts are actually good at identifying people who have borderline personality disorder. Think about that for a minute. You must believe that the people they studied actually had actually had borderline personality disorder. Not only this, but that they had borderline personality disorder only. That is to say, in isolation. That these people are so adept at recognizing it and they understand it so thoroughly that they were able to hand-pick participants for the study who definitely have borderline personality disorder and only borderline personality disorder and then do their brain scans or their blood work or whatever 
and then know for a certainty. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's also absurd. And then know for a certainty that the results were not influenced by any other factors apart from borderline personality disorder. Not depression, not OCD, not stress or anxiety, not narcissism, not post-traumatic stress disorder, not diet, not anything. Only borderline personality disorder. If you have any experience with psychologists, therapists, counselors, and psychiatrists at all, as I do, you know that this is a ridiculous, stupid assumption. The reality of your experiences simply does not support such a degree of confidence in the people behind these studies. In my personal experience, at least 15 psychologists, psychiatrists, and therapists had two years to get my diagnosis correct. Now, listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying they had two years to help me get borderline personality disorder under control or to fix it. I'm saying they had two years to simply give me a correct diagnosis. Hey, what you're dealing with is borderline personality disorder. Two uninterrupted years. And in two years, given thousands of ongoing opportunities, they, they were unable, among all of them, to fulfill even this most basic function. Nobody ever diagnosed me correctly. It was finally a lowly Georgian girlfriend who read a lot. Georgia the country, not Georgia the American state. It was finally a lowly Georgian girlfriend who read a, a lot of books and she worked as a nanny who finally diagnosed me correctly. But I'm supposed to believe, <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but I'm supposed to believe that in these scientific studies, they managed to not only select multiple candidates that definitely have borderline personality disorder with uncanny, uncharacteristic skill, but that they also only selected candidates with borderline personality disorder, absent any other disorder whatsoever, so that they could be certain the tests were unaffected by any other factors. That they understand how the disorder manifests and behaves on the surface so well that they can not only select candidates for their study with perfection, but then also study the human body with every other possible influence and factor isolated from the picture. <laughs> if you're here, it's because the genetic scientists have yet to help a single person, a single person, with borderline personality disorder. Or am I missing something? Another incredibly important point to consider. Our experiences, our experiences are able to alter our DNA. Did you know that? So when a scientist studies your DNA, what's he looking at? Is he seeing how you were born? Or is he seeing the result of your experiences? Now here's the truth. 
the answer doesn't matter one way or another as long as your experiences can alter your DNA. Why? Because good experiences can have positive effects on you and on your physiology as effectively as bad experiences can affect you negatively. For example, if you lie a lot, studies show that the guilt response in your brain weakens. But this study doesn't mean that if you start telling the truth a lot, that your guilt response, that is your conscience, doesn't strengthen again. In other words, scientists have described things with a brain scan that anybody with a brain has already known since Bible times. So do you know what practical value the scientific study has? None. None whatsoever. All this talk of science is misdirection. It's all taken out of context by people who do not factor in every relevant detail and therefore they're incapable of interpreting the results in a correct manner that has any relevance whatsoever to your situation or to your recovery. And yet, and yet, none of what I've explained up to this point is the real reason that I'm certain the scientific studies regarding borderline personality disorder are total bullshit. Would you like to know the real proof? Here it is. I am cured of borderline personality disorder. This is my proof. And I, I, I don't care if you believe it. You're free to believe what you like. But I hope you'll believe it, which is why I do the work that I do, and I'm trying to present a thorough, comprehensive argument here. Because I sincerely desire for others who are suffering as I was once suffering to benefit themselves from what I learned and from what I managed to accomplish. Because I know it's doable. It's doable for you. It's doable for everybody. You know what the greatest hurdle is for you? Shitty information. Shitty information is your greatest hurdle. That all the voices out there, 99.9% .9 of the voices out there, talking about this subject, they're all shit. They're not your friends. They're not helping you at all. And they're going to keep you like an anchor tied down to the bottom of the ocean so that you never escape this thing. And I want you to escape it. Would any part of my recovery have ever been possible if the science articles everybody loves quoting and speculating on were indeed based on good science or the results were being correctly interpreted? Mm -mm. Nope. If borderline personality disorder were truly the result of genetics, my entire approach would have failed. I'd still be seeking answers and running around in circles. The entire premise that my understanding is based on, the root cause, would be false and could not possibly be as cohesive and as comprehensive as it is. This means that every approach I ever took to addressing the root cause would have been meaningless. It would have produced no results. But this is not what happened. 
my understanding of the disorder worked and produced the results it could only, only have produced by being built on the truth and not on hollow theory and pointless speculation. My recovery is genuine. I really did have borderline personality disorder as powerfully as anybody ever has for my entire life. It was it was it defined everything about me. I can't emphasize this enough. And now I really don't have it. Maybe you're thinking, well, he can claim anything at all, but I have no way of knowing if he's telling the truth. But this is simply not true. You do have a way of knowing if it's the truth. My very ability to explain the disorder in the detail that I do, without speculation or uncertainty, so that all my, and this is an important part, so that all of my assertions and explanations harmonize. You know, that's a major, a major um, element of proof right there. That all of my assertions and explanations harmonize with one another. And they make rational sense. All of this is powerful evidence for any sincere, genuine person that the things I say are true. Folks, the results speak for themselves and are enough in themselves to discredit a thousand phony articles on genetics. The topic of genetics is a lazy fool's game, and anybody eager to attribute borderline personality disorder to genetics, what can I say? That person is a lazy fool. You see, by attributing it to genetics, one spares himself or herself from truly having to understand it and therefore be able to explain it in practical, relevant terms that demonstrate genuine understanding and insight. This, this is the true reason people search out and cling to explanations that involve genetics. They want the shortcut, see, the pill that allows you to skip all the work. Just jump right over and skip all the learning and the insight. Why? Because these things require a lot of effort. If you want to see somebody's brain shut down, just attribute the cause of borderline personality disorder to genetics and base it on a scientific study. I hope this has helped you. I hope that you can finally put this lie behind you so that we can move on to other things. Um, as I said at the beginning, this lie is so destructive. It's so destructive in that it sucks all the enthusiasm and uh, motivation out of you. And it's so unnecessary because it's a lie. Anybody who subscribes to it or believes in it or is uh, uncertain about it, you see, they're living with this cloud over top of them that says, well, is all this work I'm going to do going to make any difference whatsoever if I, w if I was just born this way? If I was born this way and it was passed along to me and it's, it's interwoven into the very fabric of my makeup? How, how can a person who believes that find any motivation whatsoever to truly do what is required 
to recover from the disorder. And, you know, recovery is not uh, an impossible. It's not even really that difficult. It just takes some time. It takes some time and some consistency. It takes some knowledge and some insight. And, I mean, the time is going to roll on no matter what. So you might as well be doing it in the right frame of mind and not have this lie like an anchor holding you down. I hope uh, everybody's having a good week. I'm going to be going to the beach here in a couple weeks. I'm looking forward to that. But I'll keep up with everybody, and I'll be posting a new episode of this podcast next Thursday. So take care, and I'll see you then.